Hi, this is Courtney Page from A Page of Positivity, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. I'd love to take a moment to tell you about Clarity. Clarity is a powerful tool that allows you to organize, optimize, and update your blog content for maximum growth. Clarity gives you unparalleled insights into the ways that your content can be stronger and more valuable for your readers. Not only does it help you optimize your extensive library of blog content so you can increase your traffic, SEO ranking, and revenue, it also allows you to validate your updates with a direct integration to Google Analytics. Some bloggers are tracking this information manually with multiple spreadsheets and countless hours spent uncovering the data they need in Google Analytics. Clarity automatically syncs all of your data for you, saving you hours upon hours of admin tasks. All of your post information appears in Clarity. Everything is done directly from your Clarity dashboard, and you can be confident in the fact that you're getting the most up-to-date insights to the health of your content. If you are interested in learning more and potentially becoming an early adopter of Clarity, you can go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk to sign up for the waiting list and receive 50% off your first month. Go to clarity.com forward slash eatblogtalk or check out the resources page on eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to learn more. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and the confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 340. Today, I have Courtney Page with me. I'm super excited. We're going to have a chat about how to turn community into a full-time job. Courtney is the founder and creator of a healthy, delicious food blog, A Page of Positivity. As a 24-year-old, Courtney already works full-time as an interior designer while dedicating the rest of her time and life to blogging at A Page of Positivity. APOP. I like the APOP. (laughs) She began blogging in the middle of the pandemic when she became fed up with the Instagram algorithm. Sometimes Courtney feels like she is drinking from a fire hose with all of the information out there, but the food blogging community is so special and consistently keeps her inspired to grow and move forward. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Good, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is going to be a fun chat. We have a lot to chat about. You have so many kind of aspects to your journey, and I think a lot of things we can glean from it. But I would love to hear your fun fact before we get into that chat. Sure. I have two. One is I love to travel, and so I also love to hand letter. So like calligraphy and just all different types of things. So I like to hand letter the city where we're traveling to. And then I take like a picture in front of the landmark or something like that, and then compile it into kind of a photo album of the places that I've been. So it's like my own personal stamp. Oh, that's such a cool idea. It's a way to be creative about your traveling journeys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, turned in honestly was something that I saw on Instagram and I wanted to try hand at it and it turned into a hobby really. Ah, amazing. Okay. What's your second fun fact? My second one is kind of like a full circle moment for me, but I had an eating disorder in college and that's something that I worked through with a lot of specialists. And now that I'm a full-time food blogger, it just is a really cool thing to look back and be like that part of my life turned into something so wonderful because of my love for food now. Okay. That is super encouraging for all of us. Just because there are those things that we feel like we can't get past, 
like it's going to be impossible. We can't do it. But if you can do that, because I know eating disorders, from what I hear, are hard, right? Like really hard. Yes. Dedication to recovery, obviously. I feel like it's like a daily thing. And then as you get almost farther away, I kind of want to relate it to like the Doppler effect. Like it came in really softly and then got really loud for a long time. And then as you grow away from it, it's just like a siren in the background. Sometimes you hear it a little bit louder. Sometimes you don't. But for the most part these days, it's really behind us and it feels really good. Amazing. And yeah, congrats for getting that far. I bet that feels so good just to look back and look at how far you've come. Yes. And now I feel like I eat like a queen because of everything I like to cook. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yes. All coming full circle for sure. Well, let's dig into your story, Courtney. You have a multifaceted story that I'm excited to hear about. I would love for you to just talk through it. Would you mind just telling us about your journey and where you started and where you're at now? Sure. I started an Instagram in 2018 because I felt like it was, quote unquote, the thing to do. I was a junior in college and I started it because I wanted to simply share pretty pictures of food. Nothing more, nothing less. It was actually right in the heart of my eating disorder as well. And so I found a community in that space that was very open to sharing their struggles and just their everything about that part of life. And so that quickly turned into me feeling comfortable sharing about what I was going through. And then after recovery, it was like, okay, I'm just sharing pretty pictures of food. Honestly, I didn't even know blogging was really a thing. Like it was just like Instagram was pretty pictures. But then I started my full-time job after I graduated and I kind of felt like this lack of purpose of still just showing these pretty pictures of like my meal prep and my lunches. At that point, my Instagram had over 25,000 followers. So within those two years, it grew like so quickly. I mean, (laughs) I feel like when you talk to a lot of food bloggers and influencers these days, it's much harder to grow Mm. than it was a couple of years ago. And so 2020 COVID hit and I was home from work, just being able to work remote. And I was like, I have so much time. Like, what am I going to do with all this time? And so that's when I took the plunge and I was actually annoyed with Instagram's algorithm. And I'm like, if it disappears tomorrow, I want to be able to have something that's my own. And that's when I bought the domain to a page of positivity, which page is my middle name. And I love a pun on words. And so now I just call it APOP. APOP is like Everything I do, (laughs) Um, it's it's much easier for people too. And that's kind of how we came about. I will say within that first year of Instagram or me using Instagram, I started to be approached by brands asking me, hey, like, will you share this recipe of ours? Or can you take a picture with this product? And that's when I learned you could make money from Instagram. Mm. And then it was a whole new ballgame because I was a senior in college and I liked the extra cash. And I was like, this is great. Like, (laughs) why would I stop? And so then even my first year of, I I was, my friends laugh at me because I'm like, it's corporate America. But I was nine to five. I was going into an office and Instagram just wasn't that. And that's when I realized that I could monetize it. And it started scaling pretty quickly. And actually, since I submitted that form for the podcast, I have actually quit my full-time interior design job. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was a long time coming, honestly. Congratulations. Thank you. It's only my second weekend, so I still feel like... (laughs) Very fresh. 
very fresh. I wrote down the first day, like, just, I can't believe this is happening. It's finally here. Like, I was so giddy. I was running around. Like, I was Aww. like, this is just awesome. And so I wrote all of those feelings down because I know that there will be harder days yeah. ahead and there, I won't always feel like that. And I'm that will just really bring me back to be like, okay, this is where it started. This is This is where you are now. We can go from there. That is amazing and so inspiring. I love that you are fresh on this journey. So where does most of your income come from now? Are you getting most of your income from Instagram still or your blog or both? Yes. No. So my blog is only a year and a half and I, going back to the drinking from the fire hose, like I feel like a lot of your episodes have meant, like there's just so many things that have been marketed to food bloggers in the space. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, which ones I want to invest in and grow for my business. And so that's a whole like newer knowledge, I guess. But all my revenue comes from Instagram partnerships. So my blog, I have almost 40,000 followers now. And so just like the healthy scaling of that platform has led me to bigger contracts. And instead of just pretty pictures of food on an iPhone, I took photography school, learned how to use a DSL camera, Lightroom, all the things. And now it is kind of, it's my main source of income because I'm marketing myself as a freelance food photographer to these big brands. And that's been really fun. Lots of interesting things that happen on that side of the... Yeah, I bet. Mm -hmm. I actually have a kind of like a funny story. Oh, let's hear it. Just, yeah, with my first ever paid partnership on Instagram. This was in 2017. I think I had 4,000 followers or 2018. And it was with Panera Bread, which I was like, oh my God, like this brand. Okay. Like I, you know, live, breathe Panera. This is great. And they wanted me to make a dish with their mac and cheese that was now being sold at Meyer. And so I was like, okay, what do we think? Like $25? Like, is that enough? And I hope anyone on this podcast is like screaming right now. Like, absolutely not. So yeah, I charged them $25. Oh my it cost me more to pick up the ingredients because they did not reimburse the product and create the content. But I was just like on cloud nine because I was like, I'm working for Panera. Like, I've made it. Uh-huh. And now I would, I mean, just the past couple of years of understanding how much your work is worth. Like now I charge, you know, about 2,500 to three grand for the deliverables that they were requesting then. And I mean, I'm a pretty open book about pricing. I, I love looking at the numbers. I, I pulled my Excel and QuickBooks stuff that I've had for the past three years. And it's been interesting to see like how that number has exponentially grown just by understanding the value of what our work is worth. Oh, okay. I appreciate your candor about numbers. I love it when people are open about numbers. <laughs> and I mean, it's just a personal thing too. I respect mm-hmm. when people don't like to share, but I always love it when they do because that gives other people an idea. Like otherwise Absolutely. you're talking about like valuing yourself and increasing your value, but people don't have any idea what that value is. So I really appreciate that you put that number out there. $25 to $3,000. That's a yes. big yes. shift. And I think I I always, when I'm talking about like food bloggers and I talk about Instagrammers or, you know, influencers, there are food bloggers that are influencers as well. And I kind of think I fall under that like micro influencing mm. category because 
I'm on my stories a lot. I do make revenue from like, like to know it and Amazon affiliates. And I share a lot about my life that also gives me some income on that. But my majority of my income is coming from freelance photography and the partnerships that they're paying me for the photos. And it's interesting. Like, so Barley and Sage, I think you've had her on a podcast recently. Yeah. Kylie, she is like a trailblazer. I feel like that covers both of those grounds, like food photography in general, and then also like the Instagram logistics of things. And so I felt like early on, I was kind of listening to what she was charging. And I kind of hit a plateau, probably 2020 when I was, I honestly was deciding, I was like, do I want to just stop this page? Or do I really want to take the plunge and like, I'm going all in. And that's when I was like, what needs to change about my content? Cause I'm not growing. And I feel like I was kind of at this like $500 mark. Like people weren't willing to pay me anything more than 500 for, I mean, honestly, an iPhone photo on my, on my feet, which now I laugh because I'm like, I do so much more than that. Oh, I wish I would have kicked myself and done more. But the way that I was able to start charging these thousand dollar contracts was to increase my fit or increase the value of my photographs. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like the learning of composition and light was so game changing to me that now it's now it's really fun to be like, how high do I want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds a little overconfident, but the answer is always no if you don't ask. Right. And if you I call it my quote unquote hate rate, like how much am I going to hate this if they accept this rate? So I always make sure that I am well above any hate rate, like whatever. And now I feel like my hate rate is probably around like $1,500, which again, might be like, oh my God, but it's like, these are, they're, they're asking so much of the quality and the standard of what I'm producing right now. That would be a disservice to my service. Yeah. The hate rate is huge. I I also <laughs> go through that in my mind when I'm coming up with pricing, which I hate, by the way. Pricing is like my least favorite thing ever. But I was just in a clubhouse room. I don't know if you ever get on clubhouse. No, but I've heard you guys talk yeah, about that. Yeah, you, you should. They're so fun yeah. and so inspiring. But Chelsea Cole was in there from A Duck 7. And she was talking about how she works with, she does sponsorships and you know, partnerships occasionally. And she was saying that, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. She said it in Clubhouse, so I'm assuming she's fine with it. But she was talking about how she was giving a rate to a brand and it was misunderstood. And they thought she was giving a rate that was three times what she said. And they said, yes. And she was like, oh my gosh, like she got three times what she was initially going to propose inadvertently. And then that was a lesson for her. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more valuable than I think. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I think about that all the time when I'm pricing, like your work is so valuable. Like you said, we put so much into it and the learning, not just the work, but the learning that goes into the back end of it, that we are so much more valuable than we think. So just keeping that in mind as we move forward with this sort of thing. Absolutely. I heard one one thing that always stuck with me was someone used, or someone told me, always ask what their budget is. Like if, they, if they're coming to you on an email and they say, okay, what do you charge for this? My first two questions back are, what's your budget and what are the deliverables if they haven't already outlined them? Usually they'll come back with the deliverables only and say, hey, what's your budget for these things? I'm like, okay, now that it's outlined, I can at least give you a pricing. And also media kit, like I have one, but I I took I had a coaching call with 
from Candace from Eat More Day, okay. I think. And she she does like a confidence pitching course, but I just did a, you know, one hour, one-on-one, give, give me what you need to yeah. know type thing. And she said that you should hold your media kit almost like a private access. Like not everyone gets to see that. And uh. also something that I personally think is that you should never put rates on your media kit because it locks you into that when their budget could be uh. four or five times as that. Yeah. So I have my services I offer. And sometimes I say I have like a percentage. I'm like, you can expect a percentage of X, Y, Z, or, you know, I kind of break out the hours, what it will take me. And I'll say, you know, 40% of this budget is going to content creation, my time, 30% is going to taxes. Like, and once they see that, they're like, oh, okay, that's helpful. For the first time ever, I had a brand recently actually yesterday, email me back and say, Hey, we just want to make sure you really understand these deliverables because your rate is really modest. And that was a rate for $5,000. And I was like, Whoa, all right. One, I appreciate you. Not many people are like you in this industry. And two, sure. So I bumped it up another thousand. They're like, okay, great. I'm like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) What am I missing here, people? And don't you find that when you are working for some, like when someone really values you like that, that you just do so much better work? Yes. And that's another, you know, I sometimes, I always think if I'm, if I'm receiving the other end of this email, I'm not just going to say my rate is $3,000. Here you go. I'm going to say, okay, for these deliverables, list them all out. This is the type of content you can expect to see. I often, with most of my brands, I over-deliver on the quality and I over-deliver on how much you're going to get. And you know, some photographers might be like, well, you're, they're only paying you for six images. I've had really positive experience when I give them nine to 10 because I'm already shooting it anyway. It's not extra work. It's just one extra edit that They've ha- I've had a lot of reoccurring business with different marketing agencies that have been like, you're just always above and beyond. Mm. This is great. This is what we expect. And so that's been positive reinforcement for the type of work that's happening. Right. So what other scaling advice do you have? So learning, investing in learning, going above and beyond, knowing your value, what else? Yeah, I think going back to different sources of revenue was really important to me at first, just because, you know, I I have this platform, I can use it in a certain type of way while I don't have ads on my blog. And, you know, working on the back end of that, all of the things that go into that trying to use Pinterest, if that's a wash, you know, everyone that I feel like I hear on this podcast is like, ah, Pinterest. I'm (laughs) I'm just free Pinterest era. I, you know, I took the Midwest foodies, Pinterest e-course, and that was helpful. But as for the scaling, I follow a lot. I feel like a decent amount of influencers that are also really successful food bloggers. And so I kind of see what they're doing. And Broma Bakery, Sarah from Broma Bakery, she offers, I would say probably one free webinar a month. And it's always talking about, usually it's promoting a new program of hers. And I, every single time I'm like, one, it's genius. And two, I'm like, it's just, it's, she's taking what she's seen on Instagram, turning it into some type of marketing course or whatever. But that's not to say that, you know, that's what I need to do. I just like to listen to that free content and see, okay, what's happening here. And she recently talked about high impact content. And that's like, you know, keeping what's going to draw someone's attention. What type of videos are people going to repeat, watch, Are you asking a question? Are you just showing them something? You know, I feel like the not million dollar question, but 
people are always saying, you got to show your face on Instagram these days. Like that's what, that's what mm. you, you eating something. And I'm like, I just don't look good stuffing my face with pasta salad. Okay. Like <laughs> I'm not going to go there. And so how to be creative with like, with the trends. And I will be the first to tell you that I am a creature of habit. I'm open to change, but not in the sense of like every day, this app is going to show me something different, but for the sake of it being my source of revenue, it's like, okay, you kind of got to get on board because otherwise you're, you're not going to keep doing what you want to do. I will say something that was really helpful for me was food bloggers provide recipes. Everyone needs a recipe. If it's a workout instructor, if it's a different type of like, you know, maybe you specialize in vegan or keto, like everyone needs to eat. And so finding people that need those type of recipes, example, I have a lot of macro friendly recipes on my website. And so there is a fitness instructor who she does these challenges and they provide exclusive recipes. And so I provide those to her and then a lot of her following starts to follow me. And so that was a huge boom Uh for my thing. And it's just something that I'm like, I don't know if I would ever thought about that like before. Yeah. And that's been helpful for sure. Hey there, food bloggers taking a really quick break from the episode to chat about Rank IQ, my favorite keyword research tool that is made just for bloggers. Maybe you are looking for a more efficient way to do keyword research and you're looking for a way to open up space in your business and your life so you can work on other projects and focus on other things. If you are raising your hand high right now, then I will share about a strategy I have used that required four intensive months of work and that has produced a nice fruitful crop while I've been able to publish posts minimally for the past few months. From January through April of 2022, I published 57 blog posts, all of which were run through the Rank IQ keyword research tool and optimizer. Most of this was non-recipe content, so it did not require recipe development, cooking, or photography. It has been four months since that stretch ended, and I've been able to ride the wave of my efforts as I watch my traffic steadily increase year over year and from month to month. My blog traffic is now up 60%, that's 60% year over year from last year, thanks to this strategy. Go to rankiq.com, find low competition, high search volume keywords that align with your niche, run them through the optimizer inside the platform, publish and watch your traffic grow quickly. I can't wait to hear about your amazing strategy and your stories that come out of this. Now let's get back to the episode. So really keeping your eyes open. This is something I did poorly for a really long time because I was like in my lane, just trying to do my thing, thinking Mm -hmm. that I knew everything and I was the smartest, whatever. It was ridiculous. And now it's like the layers have been peeled off and I realized that I have to see what's working for other people and just like run with those nuggets and then also obviously make it your own. Like you can't just steal what other people are doing exactly, but you know, like it's, I think there's a talent almost to recognizing the pieces that work and pulling it out and making it your own. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And going with the, like, you just want to do your own thing. Even when you start to dip your toe into that new thing, it's going to feel so uncomfortable. It is not going to feel like your natural thing because it's not what you've been doing. And I finally, I feel like just as of two days ago, I feel like my video content has actually been like, oh, 
that was, that feels like a relief to make it now because you're oh. like, Oh, this is, I know what I'm doing. I have my sunshine shots. I have three different angles. Like you just keep moving, but it took me a year to get there. Yeah. Same with photography school and other courses. Like I've heard of people, I mean, you look at the forums and they're like, does this really work? Or, you know, did you actually see something? I've now retaken that course three times because every single time I learn something new and when I learn it, I'm like, why haven't I been doing it this way or whatever? <laughs> and then I'm like, I just, the answer was right there. I just had to give it another go. And sometimes you don't see things in the same way when you rewatch or re-listen. You see different pieces of it because you maybe you're not ready for it yet. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm at this, I found myself at this line of like, okay, now you have better photos, but you're still not growing a ton on Instagram because you're resistant to video. You know, I feel like everyone, (laughs) there's a lot of people in that boat. And I always come back to like, if you know what you know now, you wish you would have started earlier. Mm. So like same for SEO and all that, all of that lovely bubble. (laughs) Yeah. That was something that I was like, I'm just going to make really great fajitas. Well, are you ever going to rank for fajitas? No, because your DA is, you know, not high and (laughs) everything else. And so it's just, like feels good to finally get to a place where you're like a little uncomfortable, but you can keep growing in a way that's successful for your business. Oh, that was beautiful. Okay. Do you have other little nuggets about growing on Instagram or? I feel like anyone who has this, who has that figured out is really a rock star. (laughs) And I'm not the one to claim to do it. I just feel like I'm in that space daily. And so you see a lot of things working for people, but finding out what works for you and understanding your audience, like connecting with them, providing specific types of recipes. I want to go back to that high impact content really quick because those are the videos that I feel like, you know, videos and pictures that are doing really well on Instagram. It's like what people are like, oh my God, they stop and look and they're like, this looks so good. But for me, I was like, not every recipe can be like that. You know, a Caesar salad doesn't do it the way a deep fried mozzarella stick does. Like it just doesn't. And so how to balance both of those things with keyword research and like what's doing well for my blog, because I want them to coexist together. And I felt for a while I was just doing full force Instagram. And then, you know, right when I started the blog, it was full force blog. And now not being so pedal to the metal. Like we're going to go full speed all this way. Let's hope it works and kind of hit neutral and never get everything else. Now I feel like it's a bouncing consistently across the board from all of the hats that bloggers wear. As for Instagram in general, I will be the first to tell you that I am not, I just started a TikTok recently. I, I felt for the longest time, I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not <laughs> doing it. And now I'm like, you haven't even given it a chance. So how do you know yeah. you're not doing it? And that's where I'm headed. So, I mean, it's, it's a different world. I heard again from another webinar, they were like, you know, you actually have to use TikTok to understand (laughs) what's happening on TikTok. And I was like, you wouldn't think that's as groundbreaking information as what I thought it was. (laughs) I was like, okay, but I are, my screen time is already through the roof, you know, like, and that's another thing. I actually set screen time limits throughout my apps on my phone. Same. I do the same. I love it. It's so great. It's so great. And there are days where I go over on Instagram, but in the sense of like, because that is my business, responding to comments and getting people the link, 
I mean, I just saw a reel today with from Tastemaker Conference. I think it was like the song, if I had a million dollars, I'd be rich. But they wrote the script as if I had a, I would have a million dollars for every single DM I received. If where's the recipe link for the recipe, please. <laughs> I'm like, that's relatable. That yeah. is relatable. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was opposed to TikTok for many, well, forever until recently. And I was very vocal about it. I have said it on this podcast many times. I'm not doing it. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it. Repeat. And then I had this moment this spring. I think I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk talk and he was, he, just the way he worded this like instantly changed my mind. And I would never be able to repeat it like he said it, but it was something like the value in producing a TikTok content right now is something that you cannot measure. Like you cannot put a price on it at this moment, but in the future, you are going to be so glad that you did it. There are ways that will benefit your business that you cannot see right now. And I don't know. I was like, whoa, I had never heard somebody say it like he did. So I instantly started creating TikTok content and I've been doing it consistently since the end of May, I believe. Ooh, and it's, how's it going? It's fine. I mean, it's re- it's really fun. I've I was super surprised to find that I'm actually enjoying being creative in that way. I did not expect that, but I enjoy it. I'm trying to just throw a bunch of different things up just to see what works. Some stuff is like twenty views, and some gets yeah. like seven hundred. So. I'm right there too. I have, I had one, I think my, like my average is around a hundred and I had one that hit like 1,500. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting like nugget though. I heard, I was listening to this TikTok CEO on a webinar and they said that trending content usually is good for about two months. Like that's kind of the rule of thumb they're using right now. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, as food bloggers who some of, some people are already tackling Thanksgiving recipes, you know, if you're making those recipes with the videos, I had this realization. I'm like, well, how do I know it's going to do as well as the type of videos that are doing right now when I have it, I'm doing it four months in advance, especially for like SEO and getting it published. And the answer is I don't, but I am trying to do different things that will different things consistently that will hopefully kind of like evolve into Mm -hmm. what my brand is. And that's been at the end of the day, you just can't do it all. Yeah. But it's <laughs> trying your best on it is definitely where I'm at with TikTok. It doesn't have to be a huge time investment. I found that some of the videos that take me like 15 minutes to put up do really well. Mm-hmm. So you can get creative and do it in a limited amount of time. Some of them do take longer for me, but I think it's worth experimenting yes. with if you are a content creator. I think there's a window that you mentioned earlier, kind of, I don't know if you said the words sweet spot, but you were talking about that time on Instagram when you grew really quickly. Every platform has that sweet spot. Facebook had it. Mm -hmm. I missed it. (laughs) I missed it on Facebook. I made it on Pinterest. I definitely got in that sweet spot window and reaped a lot of traffic from that early on. I missed Instagram. And so I think the window for TikTok is probably still open. I'm not an expert, Mm -hmm. so don't quote me, but I think it is. I feel like it is. So hop in. I would agree with you. I would, and I would, you know, push that to anyone else. I think I always come back to anyone who is asking me, you know, should I start a blog? Should I not? I'm like, if I could tell myself five years ago to start, I wish I would have done it then. And I feel like that's the case for like a lot of people in general. I actually found a note from, you know, 
2019 when I felt like I was getting some DMs about like, how do you grow? How do you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And so I thought it was easier to just type something in my notepad and then copy paste when I would get that DM because transparently I was just like tired of answering it. I'm like, it's not like I know all the answers, but like, here's what I'm doing. Hope it helps. And so I, I pulled that up this morning before this and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I don't remember like doing this, but I'll give you the gist. There were like five bullet points. One of the first one was to go for consistency. I was posting twice a day. I sense do not post twice a day. Like I feel like I went from four times a week to the same time. And then I switched from 9.30 every morning to 6 p.m. at night. And now I kind of am back to the 9.30 in the morning. Like just five days a week is usually good for me. But I now am experimenting with when I post the real video with the cover photo. Four days later, I will post the same photo of just like the static image of that recipe. Because when you're going through it, you're not seeing those beautiful photos that are being taken. And I have never once, someone has never told me, hey, you know, you post too much. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No one's ever, ever saying that. So that's kind of what I'm experimenting with right now. I think it goes to the mindset of like, you can't always go the same way. So you have to be willing to pivot and just like, try all these things. Another one of those bullet points was engagement to other accounts. I felt I would make a big blogger's recipe and I would photograph it really beautifully. And when I would tag them, they were more likely to repost my stuff when it looked really pretty. And so I felt Mm -hmm. like that was giving me exposure. You know, I thought hashtag when the hashtag era was happening, I was like, you know, 40 hashtags deep and they were doing great. But then I started to copy and paste it. And then Instagram was like, no, no, this girl not, can't keep up here because I was like, save time. And then the other one was to set post notifications for big bloggers. So you'd be like the first one to comment. But I have long got rid of that. Like, there's no way for me to keep up yeah. with it. And it's also, I now I'm like, am I making money right now? Is what I'm doing making me money? Nope. Okay next. Mm. And that's like the question, underlying question of most things. Mm. But I just thought that was a interesting little yeah. flashback. Like, oh, if I would have known that now. Oh, I love that. I love that you recorded it and that it's providing value now. <laughs> it's yeah. worthwhile yeah. to write those things down when we think of them. We often, or at least I do, I often think like, oh, I should write this down, like whether it's a process or a thought or an idea or something that's working. And then I don't, and I wish that I would have. So that's proof that we should be writing our stuff down. Yes. I think one of your recent guests said that she keeps a pen over the fridge and just like writes down whatever she finds. I was like, wait, that's a good idea. Like then you're not on your phone. You're like able to do other things. Yeah, that's great. And I liked your question about just, am I making money? And my thing lately is, is this working? And Mm -hmm. if I could say no, then pass, move on. And I used to be like, but I can make it work. But if I do this, I can make it work. And I would just keep trying to make it work when it was just completely draining my energy and not it was not worth my time at all. So having that mindset, whether it's, am I making money? Is this producing something good in my life? Is this working? Like asking yourself that question all the time, I think can save us so much pain and trouble. So much. And also... I feel like I just have like a few other things that are bouncing around in my head that I want to say. I was not afraid to outsource, like kind of right off the get-go. I realized when I started the blog, I was like, what is, what is the thing that I do not like doing? And it's actually the writing portion. Like 
I can do, I love the photography. Like you will see me like dancing around in my kitchen because the setup is so beautiful that I'm like the composition, the juxtaposition of color, like I am jamming to it. And then I sit down to write a blog post and I'm like, why don't, why don't people already know how to make turkey burgers? Come on people. And the, all of the keyword research. So I invested in a, I was using a lot of that Instagram revenue to, because I still had my corporate job, like to just reinvest that money into my business. And now you know, a year and a half in, I have 260 recipes on my blog. I was shooting for like three a week. And it's just been like, that was one of the best things I could have done. Finding the thing that you don't like to do, drag you down. And when there's other people who specialize in it. And on that same note, if you're good at those things, market yourself to people to be a virtual assistant to others. Right now I'm focusing, I'm trying to get another sense of, or another revenue stream and photograph food for other bloggers. And so I, because I follow a lot of these food bloggers on Instagram, I made my, my niche. I'm like, who, who would be good for this? And if you're one of these people, great. I was like, all of these moms and like second moms or having their second child COVID babies that are still successfully running their business, but need so much help. And so Mm -hmm. I just started sending emails and that was a really great way for me to find a few clients that I can just work with and be like, okay, here's, you know, the recipes and I'm eating very well. All these different (laughs) recipes. I'm like, these are great. But I feel like the overall, overall messaging is never be afraid to one, sell yourself for the services that you're really great at and then outsource the ones that are tedious to do and slowing down your business. Mm, So many great messages here. I feel like you just have such an overarching, I don't know, just, you know, grasp on not only making Instagram work, but just kind of running a business efficiently by tapping into your strengths and outsourcing and everything you talked about, consistency, engagement, doing check-ins with yourself and all of that. So I love your perspective on... I really feel like I learned from this community. Like I'm open-minded to a lot of things and then other things, you know, again, I was like, I am not doing web stories. Why isn't there a tutorial on YouTube? Why isn't anyone doing it? And then the one, one of the podcasts you had, I think it was December of 2021. It was, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. My net like assistant, Sydney and I, she texted me end of May and was like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to do it. I was like, girl, you go for it. This is great. Let's do it. And we saw increase in 15,000 page views just in the month of June. Oh my gosh, and that's like, amazing. Oh. I love it. <laughs> yes, but I know the middle summer slump right now, it's fine. Yeah. But like we were, we were, we were close to applying for Mediavine <gasps> and I was like, it's fine. I'm like, this is what it's trying to teach me. You can't have it out for everything at once. How can you like continue to pivot and use that? I didn't even go like Facebook. Actually, I started getting into Facebook groups and that's how I was driving a lot of traffic to my blog. And people are like, wait, wait, what about Instagram? And then I looked at the numbers and Instagram was giving me the partnerships, but Instagram was only driving like less than a sixth of traffic to my overall mm. site. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one random, like if you do share your life with, you know, strangers on the internet who become your friends, people are really nosy. Like people like to learn about your life. And so I recently, my boyfriend and I are moving back to Michigan. We're in Georgia right now. And I just posted a picture and I said, life update with a blog post. That post has one of my most like highest page views in the past year and a half. I'm like, oh, so you're telling me if I just like pre-write these posts of life events when they happen, I'll just publish it. Like this will just be a great way to 
It sounds silly. That's just proof that people like knowing the person behind the blog and the, the, the account, right? And they want to know who you are and it's okay to share those details if you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's definitely you kind of get into the log- logistics of like, hey, are you comfortable if I share our story about this? For my eating disorder, like that was yeah. really easy because it was mine. Like it was, I, I didn't have to ask for anyone's permission. Now with other things and as I get older, I'm like, you know, a little privacy is, is okay here. Yeah. Like my mom always tells me, she's like, you don't have to share everything, you know. <laughs> like, all right, Joe, thank you. Uh, just a little discretion is good sometimes, but yeah, lean on your yeah. intuition for that. So another theme that I'm pulling out of our chat is that it's okay to change your mind. Like we've both talked about TikTok and changing our minds. You changed your mind about web stories. It's okay Mm -hmm. to do that. I feared talking about it because I talked so much about, I'm not doing TikTok. I'm not doing video this year. And then when I started doing it, I was like, oh no, am I going to be a fraud? People are going to call me out, but nobody's called me out. I It's okay. It is 100% okay to claim something and then change your mind and do something different. So I just want to put that out there too. I would agree. Honestly, like the road to success is always under construction. So you get to change whatever path you want for it. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to start wrapping up. Courtney, is there anything we've missed before we start saying goodbye? No, I feel like to reiterate, I just like, I feel like all these other food bloggers are your biggest cheerleaders in this space. And I wish I could just like give you all like you guys are doing it. We are doing it. We're all in this together. And like you providing this knowledge to anyone and everyone who's listening just makes this space better. So I'm cheering everyone on. Oh, yes. Community is everything. We all lift each other up. So glad you're promoting that as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a fun conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I really appreciate it. So much good stuff. Love it. Yeah. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with us? I feel like this is pretty cliche, but I come back to attitude as a choice and you can always choose to be happy and you can always choose to be positive. And no matter what circumstance, you can find joy amidst anything in life. And that's what I, that I just wear that on my mm-hmm. heart as I continue going forward. It might be cliche, but I love it. I live by that as well. And I'm so glad you said it. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Courtney. So if anyone wants to go look at those, they can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash APOP. I'll make it easy. (laughs) Do APOP. Tell everyone where they can find you again on your blog and social media, et cetera. Sure. Um, On Instagram, TikTok, I am on at a page of positivity with an I in the page. Same with my blog and also on Facebook is Courtney Page. Um, really all over, but I love putting our heads together. So if you ever want at like to chat, just like I feel like you guys are my coworkers and I don't even know who <laughs> I'm speaking to. So if you ever want to put our minds together, I'm always happy to DM, email, whatever. Love that offer. And after I'm done here, I'm gonna go follow you on TikTok. So <laughs> you can see me try. Yeah, well, same. I'm trying as well. <laughs> I'm learning. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I appreciate your time and eat blog talk and everything it brings to my world. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And thank you for listening, everyone, food bloggers. And I will see you in the next episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.